Welcome back to HR Talk with Ricky Baez and JC. Enjoy the show. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, for yet another fantastic episode of uh, HR Talk. I'm JC, welcoming you back to the program. My co-host, the man, the myth, the legend, the guy on the other end of the microphone down in sunny central Florida, Ricky Baez. Hello, my beautiful people. You're beautiful Hi. people. Someone's got to be beautiful, people, right? So, you can't be. Wah, wah. Not everybody. <laughs> <laughs> got it, got it, hey, it feels good to be back in the saddle, back for yet another week here on HR Talk. You know, there's been a... Uh, a lot of lessons learned this past week. One of the biggest things I'd, I'd like to share with everyone before we kick things off today is uh, the importance of online subscriptions. So critical and key in today's environment. It really is, really is. When, when you start thinking about all those news articles that you hear about on HR Talk, or maybe you just want to kind of Google that article to learn a little bit more, you're very quickly going to hit a paywall. At some of these vendors, I'm I'm shocked. Um, I know it's sh- I know it's been a trend, Rick. I know okay. it's been a thing. I I know a lot of people do it. You know, pay for your subscription for the uh, news articles at the Wall Street Times or Journal Medicine Brokerage or whatever the frig it is. But what are you talking? About? There's a, there's a lot of good news out there that you don't have to hide behind a paywall. It it really becomes frustrating at the end of the day. It does. But uh, courtesy of HR Talk, educational and informational, we're always going to do our best to bring the good news straight forward to you. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about some current events and things going on in the world. Ricky, before we start, how did you do in surviving the hurricane? It was, um, I honestly forgot or wasn't paying attention or didn't know we had a hurricane coming (laughs) until somebody told me about the day before. This year's been crazy, so I really haven't been paying attention to any hurricanes. Actually, it, it's us getting hit by a hurricane is the most normal thing for 2020 in Florida. <laughs> You're just calling it like Friday now. Yeah, you know? yeah it's, oh, God, another another shower. Great. Okay. Yeah, it was nothing, bro. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There was big news up here talking about the, uh, the, the big storm that was going to be tackling Florida two times. Once across the south into the Gulf, and then that storm surge coming up against the western front of the the state, and it's going to flood things, and then move across and make headway and destroy northern Florida. And the next thing you know, I'm I'm getting messages from friends. They're at Disney. They're they're thinking about <laughs> going to Sea World. There's no mask rules or laws. They're enjoying their tacos. They're cooking their own meals for free. You know, they're doing good things in their yards. Uh, do you? You still cook out, right? I do. Yes, yes, I do. Not as much as before, but I definitely do. A little birdie told me not too long ago that you might be making a journey today to a place where you'll be able to cook your own food, but you're going to be paying for it. Is that right? <laughs> I am not happy about this, man. And what is this? I'm really not talking about it. But okay, I'll sprinkle some some curiosity on this. Um, you know how fondue, you can go do your own fondue. You know, you go to a fondue restaurant, they give you all the ingredients, all the instructions on how not to burn the place down. Yeah. Follow all the instructions. And even then, I'm like questioning. I'm like, what am I paying for here? 
I could have gone to Costco, bought all this, and done this at home. Anyway, fine. So there's a place that does it for barbecue. And I'm like, ooh, let's go check it out. I don't know why I said that. And then I started thinking about it. I'm like, well, I, I do this at home <laughs> on weekends. <laughs> and I don't pay. I mean, yes, I buy the ingredients, but I got to pay premium for these ingredients of something I'm doing at home. So, yeah, I'm doing that. Maybe, today. maybe you're going to get some wild meat, some meats that you normally wouldn't get. You're going to have a chance to like barbecue bison or gator or something Ooh. like that. Right. Okay. Well, I, it's uh, obviously it's I'm picking steak because it's either seafood, uh, a chicken or steak. I'm picking steak. But you know what? The You know what would make this even better? What's Just that? add an extra element. Just not only do you get to cook your own food, but you get to hunt it as well. If the restaurant was like on a 20-acre farm and it just had a bunch of wild boars running around, you can go and hunt it. You can go and clean it, gut it out, and then cook it. I think you'll be there all day. Could you imagine the HR complexities of running that restaurant? <laughs> right? <laughs> you, you can't put Bobby on the archery range. He doesn't. He's not certified for that. Yeah, you'd, you know, you'd have to coordinate kill. with PETA and everyone in between. You'd have a lot on your plate, man. Oh, hold on. Ain't no coordinating with PETA when you're talking about a restaurant on a farm where you hunt your own animals. <laughs> Ain't no coordinating. Well, it's not like me. they don't exist if you have a farm like that. They're, they're still going to be out there. There's still going to be people with cares and concerns, right? Wow. I love how mild you put that. that they, they have a care and they have a concern. Aren't these the folks that sent a horrible letter to the previous president because he swapped away a fly and they got all mad at him because he was swapping away a fly and flies have lives, too? It was about eight years ago. Dude, That's PETA, right? It's a whole lot going on there. Really is. <laughs> yeah, those. Yeah, they're. Uh, but it's you, do, a really you do have group. to tackle a lot of crazy things in HR. You, you, you face the world. From a different perspective, sometimes when you put that hat on, you you look at the challenges, you you face adversity, you deal with employees of many different backgrounds. And I'm going to tell you something. The people at Disney, they officially took the top spot as of right now as the company most admired for human resources, according to HR Executive. Okay, so really? HRExecutive.com. Go ahead. Uh, this was written by Elizabeth Clark. Disney takes top spot. As company most admired for human resources, the entertainment giant has moved past Apple and Netflix. Well, Best Buy jumped 256 spots to number 10 on the annual list. So they actually have a list of how good you are in HR. Ricky, you are not on this list, by the way. Dang it. Well, I, they did ask me for some money. I haven't sent it yet. That's probably why. <laughs> I've got, I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of people in an HR that are really, really good at HR that work for really bad companies. So maybe mm. you're in that bucket. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe I'm there. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, I haven't sent that check to them yet. Did you say that Best Buy jumped 256 spots? Yeah. They're now 10 on the list. Do they highlight how they made that big of a jump? Uh, <laughs> let's find out here. So in the article, uh, it starts off with Walt Disney Company. They've okay. earned the crown for the most admired HR for 2020, unseating two number year title holders, Apple and Jumpy Pass, second ranked Netflix. Toyota and Amazon round out the top five on the definitive okay. report card of corporate reputations. Now, Disney's ratings improved on all four attributes that make up the rankings, with its greatest gains on the two talent related attributes management quality and people management. The other attributes are product service, quality, and 
innovation. They've done a lot of good things with stuff. They do stuff with things. And there's other companies out there like Amazon over at number five and Alphabet at number seven. They rejoined the list this year thanks to more available information in their industries. Others made those big jumps like we were talking with their entrance into the top 20 and top 50. The data is ultimately collected by Fortune in late 2019, and they recalibrate that data for HR executives annual most admired list based on the four HR attributes. Now, Best Buy, with that huge jump, 256 places to land number 10. Like Disney, its ratings improved across all four attributes, moving it into the top spot among specialty retailers on all four. Also, like Disney, its biggest improvements for 2020 came in management quality and people management. People management. We're starting to see a trend here. As yep. to uh, honing in on those top four things, right? Now, Absolutely. yeah, companies yeah. Uh, that make big it's, jumps like this—it's—it's not—it's it's not a small task. You've got a lot to accomplish to focus and hone in on that—that that management of your people in a positive way, right, man? Yeah, you. That's why that jump caught my attention because. I've never seen Best Buy in any kind of a list like that. And to see a jump like that, I really want to know what kind of changes they put in play uh, to make to to bring them into the top 10. Because, you know, it's as as we continue on and the and p- pandemics come in and all these things come in that really disrupt the HR field. Um you start seeing more and more organizations getting away from all the um, uh, all the technical aspect of the job and focusing more on the human aspect, and I'm happy to see that. It, it, it's it really is pretty cool to see that out there right now. But are they saying what in particular in human resources um, really took Disney to that top spot? I know I know they're they're talking about focusing on their people, but what in particular put them in that top spot? Let's just say. Uh, you've got a million dollar question. I've got no answers for you, but I'm going to tell you something. Tyson Foods, uh, the CHRO over there, made huge investments into an HRS system, uh, very specifically in the article. She mentions Workday. There's many other companies out there that provide these services. This is the one that they chose to go with. And one of the things that she says is, uh, this is the CHRO, uh, Johanna Soderstrom. Her focus is putting people first. For the dramatic improvement in Tyson Foods ranking, which showed up consistently in all four areas, measured on the executive summary score as well, uh, they made big jumps, big strides, big investments into their HRAS system, and they're finding that it's providing them more opportunity to hone in on taking care of people rather than having to curate the data in other ways. I want to talk to you about that, the importance of software systems, the right software systems. It doesn't have to be one vendor over another. Finding one that works for your organization. Is it self-intuitive to you that when you get a software system in place, you can spend more time focusing on your people? Or? Or you don't. <laughs> that That's an awesome pause for just that. Um, it, it's... um. I've been lucky enough to be involved in four different instances where we had to shop for a different HRIS system. Um, And what I found hard about it is just like buying a car. You get so 
so distracted by the shiny bells and whistles that it does. And you're like, wow, this is pretty cool. Nobody has been able to do this before that you forget uh, what you really need it for. Right. So like a car. Right. So you go into a Honda dealership. Right. You want it just a regular Honda Civic. And next thing you know, you see this 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 big uh, used pre-owned Mercedes. It's got all the bells and whistles. But, you know, you don't need that Mercedes. You just need to go from A to B. Same thing with this. So I've been involved in that. And one of the things I really want people to know is to be careful with those bells and whistles that can distract and keep focusing on the reason you need that system for. Like you said, if it does what it's supposed to do, either A, you've got more time to spend with your people or you pay attention to the data that is giving you and you use that data to pay attention to the people. It can be both. It in, really can. In the case of Tyson you- Foods, on the list, they jumped 78 spots. They moved from number 92 on the list up to number 14, entering the top 20 just by putting in place some new measures using a new HRIS system and focusing more right. on their people. It's real easy, though to get caught up in the qualitative and quantitative analysis associated with the numbers at the end of the day, are your people just a number though? Right? Uh, No. Well, yes and no. Obviously they are a number in the system as far as the HR system is concerned, but you as a human being, as the leader of that organization, you better make sure that you're treating them like a human being and not a number. But yeah, being a number is important. All right. right? So yeah, you're, you're you're saying lead with compassion then. At compassion and the E word. What's the E word here? Electricity. Because if you no. don't have <laughs> it, you're working Amish and your day's gonna be so much harder. <laughs> that, that's correct, JC. I know. Is the word I'm looking for. Oh, Empathy. the other E word. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> the other E word. You really have to bring the Amish into this, huh? Yeah. I want no no problems with the Amish no. community. I love you guys. No. You guys are awesome. They'll mess you up, man. Yeah, they will. <laughs> yes, they will. I don't know if they're listening to this show, but I'm going to tell you. I don't yeah. know how they would be. Well, if they are, they really are. You know what? I'm not going to go down that road. Let's <laughs> not, not open up that can. Yeah. Don't open the no. can. No, it's See, fine. So empathy. So, okay. So I'm one side of the house. You've got a company like this. They invest in the HRA system. They get things in line. They're, they're scoring themselves away. They make these huge jumps and strides and more people-centric focus. People as numbers. People as people. Who need people, right? And then compassion and empathy. That's a, It's a foregone conclusion. This isn't new, though. This is, this is not groundbreaking HR 2020 empathy. <laughs> it's the future, you know. It's not a thing, or is it? No. it it's a. It shouldn't be a thing that we have to talk about because it really should be second nature to leaders. But unfortunately, it's not. And you know what, JC? What you and I have been talking on this freaking show for the past two or three years is all about talking to your employees, listening to them, being understanding, and just being in the moment with them. And it hasn't been more important than right now with this pandemic that we still need to show that compassion and that empathy. But, man, I got to tell you, I've seen some organizations that really forgot about it, especially during this pandemic. That's where I kind of really wanted to focus on that now because, look, the year is almost done. We got, what, six weeks left in 2020, and we got six more weeks to make sure that we're showing our employees, our business partners, and even our leaders how to be empathetic in how we lead. Empathy. This is your opportunity to bring that music. 
we can't no. afford music anymore. Uh, so uh, talking about the paywalls at the same time, Forbes had a, <laughs> a great piece out there talking about the role of empathy and, and saying no at work. Christine Michael Carter, senior contributor, fantastic writer, very good, very big, big article here. So she goes on to talk about the empathy and, and why should we deepen our definition of empathy in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And she's talking with this doctor, Dr. Curry. And Dr. Curry comes to the table and says, beyond understanding others' feelings, empathy also provides us with a unique ability to experience ourselves through the lens of another. All of us interpret the world through a little bubble of perception, only understanding what our brain, our little itty bitty brain can translate to our bodies and empathy allows us to consider how other people see hear, and feel us only by tuning in to the invisible thoughts and emotions in interaction in this forbes article they're talking about extra senses rick superpowers reading the mind <laughs> no do you read to- the mind at work I don't read the mind. I'm not a mind reader. Of course not. There's a paywall there. You're not getting past it. (laughs) That's exactly why. There is. Um, No, so being empathetic, it's, it's, it's easily confused with being compassionate. And yes, we should be compassionate. We should be um, have have empathy, but you got to make sure that you understand how both of those things are different, right? Because Empathy is all about understanding people, understanding the emotions, exactly what you said, understanding where they're coming from, where compassion is just having that feeling of warmth, feeling good and feeling bad for something. Why are you flashing a light in my eyes? <laughs> Sorry, folks. I know you guys can see this. I'm I'm doing my thing, and uh, I, I feel like I j- was just in a car accident, and JC is uh, checking to see if I have a concussion or <laughs> not. What are you doing, bro? I am. I'm checking your third <laughs> eye. I'm trying to see how perceptive you are right now, empathetically speaking. Empathetically speaking. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate your reading. Do you Fine use reading. that terminology when you talk to people in your workplace since you're exercising these superpowers of empathy? Do you have a team meeting and say, look, logistically, we need to move the the snacks from the counter to the other counter? But empathetically, I want to know how that makes you feel. Do no, you do that? That's not, that okay. Is, that, that's that's a, a C word called condescending. Oh. Condescending before you jump in, I'll put up for another C word. <laughs> I saw you jumping right over that, bro. <laughs> not, 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 not. No, no, it's 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 not that. Is trying to be open minded to whatever issue the other person who who you're talking to is going through, right? It's to because if you if you're having a conversation, you're trying to convey your thoughts to that person and have them understand it in the way that you want to communicate it in the first place. You got to show them that they're being heard and they're being acknowledged. And that's what empathy means. <laughs> kind of like being a uh, shop. We were recording. Kind of like being a shop mechanic, right? Like you have someone come in. They've got a they got a car that's hurt. A, a damaged car, a hurt car, and and you really want to fix it for them, but then the mechanic shop wants to make a million dollars off of them, right? That's uh, that's oh. an empathetic means of dealing with your customer when you want to help them, but it's not so empathetic when you your business model doesn't align and you want to scam the customer, right? Well, let's hear it. Hear what? 
let her go. Charge her a small amount. He goes over there. My boss goes over there and tells Oh, wait. Sorry. That was, the, that was, it started way too late. Sorry. Hold on. I, I'm not going to edit this. So go ahead. Yeah, leave it there. I don't care. Leave it there. That's good. All right. Here we go. See, now this is the shit that I'd be talking about. This lady right here brought her car in here and she needs to figure out what's wrong with it. So I go over there and I check it out. Timing's off. It's simple. Reset the timing. Let her go. Charge her a small amount. He goes over there. My boss goes over there and tells the lady, oh, you need a new timing belt, a new timing tensioner, a new oil pump, and this, that, and the other is going to cost you $1,200. Why not just help the lady out because you know she's broke and reset her timing and charge her shop minimum two-hour job? No, instead, he's too busy trying to get his fucking pocket fat, so he's trying to tax this lady to do a job that— Oh, wow. All she needs to do is reset her timing. That's some bullshit. That's the reason why I can't work for somebody like this. This motherfucker likes to play games and take people's money instead of being real and being honest with their ass. I can't work like that. Just can't do it. So that that's Uh, from an employee of yours? It's not from an employee of mine. Oh, okay. It is is actually somebody from TikTok. Who Who is it? That illest the real list. That ill is the realist on TikTok? Yes, on TikTok. So Can he's, he's going to quit his job? He's going to quit his job. That's what it sounds like. He's going to, I think that's what he said, JC. He said a bunch of other words, but he says he's going to quit his job because of his morals. And he he holds his morals higher than what the, I guess the core values of the organization is. Now, here's the thing, though. Now, it, it, it's let's let's cut this up. I understand the manager because the manager's job is to make sure that you make money, especially if you're a for-profit organization. The mistake the manager makes here is he was focusing too much on the money and not taking a step back and look at the entire picture and seeing what's going on. So, A, we don't rip off a, uh, a, a customer, and B, maybe you create a long uh, a, a, a long-time customer. If you tell them, look, other people will tell you ABC, I'm only going to charge you this because this is the only thing you need. That's the right thing to do. Boom, you got a customer for life. That's what the manager should have done. But yeah, it sounds like this guy's going to quit because he doesn't like the way the organization's being run. Good for him. Do you think that there's a lot of auto body shops that sit down and have daily empathetic stand-up meetings, though? Hell no. <laughs> And and what would an empathetic stand-up meeting look like compared to a regular shop meeting? If you could give me an example of both instances. A regular shop meeting, it's it's 6.45 a.m. They just pulled the crew together. What would that sound like in a nutshell? In a nutshell. Hey, where's Marcos? He is 15 minutes late. I know he was with you guys at the party last night. I get it. He needs to be here. If he's not here in 15 minutes, he's fired. That's what that that shot would look like. That's original. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> and then what would the empathetic stand up sound like at the at the auto body shop at 6.45 a.m. Converse okay. to what you just did? All right, here we go. Hey, where's Marcos? He's not here yet. He's late. 15 minutes. If he's not here in 15 minutes, he's going to be fired. That's exactly what it would sound like. Because they don't so have those the conversations. Same. You see, I know. It's the same. They don't have those right. conversations, bro. 
my cousin owes a body shop and yeah. I know what kind of conversations, well, you know him, right? Yeah. I know what kind of conversations happen there and, and how to be empathetic to each other, how to show empathy is not one of those things. Now, I'll tell you this, my cousin, his shop, he does exactly what this guy does. People come in and he sees an opportunity to take advantage of the customer because the customer just doesn't know what's wrong with the car, but he, he can see an opportunity to take advantage of them but he chooses not to because he 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 really does have some deep core values that are really aligned to his Christian faith, and uh, he's really honest with his customers. And guess what? He it, he cannot take a day off because he's busy. But people keep coming back because word of mouth goes. So anyway, yeah. Long story short, um, his shop does that. I don't see any other auto body shop having those conversations. Really don't. So as you don't employ empathy, you could then in turn wind up losing employees strictly based and off customers. of and, and customers. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, it's there just because, there's but there's policy. still a way to incorporate empathy. If you're in a shop environment like that though. See, isn't there? There should be. I just kind of like they... what you were talking about. The direct dealing with that customer, making the long-term customer for life. Yes. Taking an empathetic approach to the situation and understanding that the person may not have a lot of money, but at the same time, you you're looking to make it better for them and build that long term customer for the future. Well, well, yes, but you do have to be careful in an auto body shop with if you use empathy, how you would at an office. Let me give you a great example. You've got some lady that comes in. She has a minivan. That's the family van. Um, and it's got a bad transmission. All right. Right. The shop owner says, hey, look, it's going to cost you three grand. It's are you sure Do you want me to start this? Yeah, yeah, please. Here you go. All right. Starts the job. Right. Lady, the job is done. Three thousand dollars. She comes back and says, oh, I don't have any money. I lost my job. This is happening. That is happening. I need this van to get a job. And now the uh, the shop owner says, oh, I feel bad. All right. Don't don't pay me anything. Here you go. And then goes. Is that a smart business move? Yeah. Or sure. Why? I don't know. I'm playing into it. I'm I'm on <laughs> the edge of my seat, waiting to hear what's next. Go ahead. Well, no. Well, I'm just saying it, it's it's although the empathy is there, but this is where compassion can come back and bite you in the butt, right? Oh, good uh, call. Good call. Because from a from a a business owner's perspective, you cannot do that. You can't give a, that's the reason you're in business. You, you just gave everything away. But from a compassionate perspective, you understand what this lady is going through because you, you, you grew up in an environment where your mom was in that same situation and you wish somebody would, would, would help your mom out like you're about to do here. But then again, what message does that send? This tell this guy any sob story. And next thing you know, he'll do your car for free. So you really got to take a step back and figure out what's best for your organization. All right. So compassion versus empathy in the uh, business uh, standard nine to five, sitting at a desk work type force here. If you've got your entire remote workforce set up, they're doing their thing. Someone needs a little bit of time. They need a little more flexibility because they have something going on in their lives. And because you've got a, a long-standing relationship with that person, you'll make an exclusion to any policy that you have to afford them that chance to go do that because you like them. But you're not going to give that opportunity to others. Compassion. It, 
you're being compassionate. So now you run the risk of being uh, not not being equal in your distribution of compassion. <laughs> so that if we employ empathy across the board and we take a look at our flexible work environment and some of the tools, assets and schedules that we have available and educate everyone on what the rules are. And we also have that opportunity for everyone at hand, where if you have a situation arise, come talk to me. I'm here for you. We can rearrange things. We'll figure this out. Here's the schedule X, Y, Z. We follow this pattern and everyone can abide by that. That's compassionate. That's empathetic. That's, that's both. It's, oh, it's such a fine gray line. (laughs) No, actually what you just described sounded like the perfect balance of both, right? Because you're showing empathy, you're showing compassion, but you got to be careful not to let that compassion uh, put you in a situation where you're treating one employee differently than other employees, right? Now, I'm not saying you have to have a general blanket policy for everybody because everybody's situation is different. So the rule that you have to have is be compassionate, be compassionate. Um, well, Well, you know, just be empathetic, be compassionate, but within reason within common sense and make sure that you're not being discriminatory in that process. You had an article on this, didn't you? From the uh, journal street times or something. I don't know. There was a paywall. I couldn't see it. So (laughs) it's the wall street journal. And the article is called do good leaders need empathy by Dan Walker. So check out uh, WSJ.com. If you have uh, credentials, log in and then you'll be able to read. Oh, just give everyone yours. Just read off your credentials right now. Uh, Absolutely not going to do that. Thank you very much. Not happening. No, but in this article, it, it, it's, it really touches on some good things when it comes to uh, empathy in the workplace because um, they've done some studies where it shows they – so there, there have been some studies where it shows that if you have a lot of empathetic leaders, you also have some leaders that are going to have an issue with making difficult decisions. So, so that's what I was saying earlier with uh, my, my uh, cousin's shop, right? What do you do in that situation? Because you don't want your empathy to be tarnished or your compassion to be tarnished uh, just because of your business morals, quote unquote. So what do you do? So what happens is organizations now, 20% of companies ever since the pandemic started are now, uh, uh, are now offering training for their managers um, on how to develop their empathy. And these are senior executive leaders. That way they can pass it on down to everybody else. So organizations are looking into this and they're investing in training, bro. It's happening. Is that maybe because some of those senior leaders were brought up during a time where the madmen ran the business and it was okay to have your drinks and cocktails and smack each other on the rear? I don't know about that last part, but uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the reason why. No, it's not, man. Come on. It, that can't be the reason why. I think I do know the reason why we need that now. Because we're focusing so much on numbers and focusing so much on on keeping up with the quote unquote Joneses. Ah, um, yes. <laughs> Too much yeah. of an alignment on data analytics and less focus on people centric solutions. There you go. My boy, you on board. Of course what- I'm on board. I wrote the <laughs> friggin' book with you on this. You kidding me? Let me tell you. It's annoying. It's annoying. There's so many great people out there that have huge brains, amazing brains, very big brains, the biggest brains. And and during that process of, of obtaining this very big brain, they sometimes forget just how to shake a hand. 
or have a conversation or or get off your checklist and focus on the bigger picture of empathy and compassion and discussion and yeah. facing the day. It's a lot. Hey, um, yeah, and- go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say it's it's um, it's <laughs> that's why it's important for you to take some self-care. So you so you could take that step back and realize that you're focusing too much on one thing and not another, especially the most valuable assets, which are your employees. I mean, believe it or not, they are your most valuable assets. Are so they? Take care of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, come on, though. Let, let's let's play devil's advocate here. I mean, everyone always says uh, you could drop out of a heart attack in your car going 55 with Chick-fil-A in your lap and no one's going to care at work. They'll replace you tomorrow. Right. You're just a number. They'll replace you anyways. Don't you worry. You're mistaking the person with the employee. Two different things. The reason they replace you tomorrow, doesn't that itself show how valuable you are? Otherwise, they want to replace you for weeks, right? Can't replace you. So that's supposed to value. Irreplaceable. (laughs) Yeah, but Shut down the business. No, you can't do that. We'll just hire somebody else. That shows how valuable you are. You are replaceable. Absolutely. The question is, it's your replacement. You have to be okay with it. (laughs) Either you train them to your level or you force them to like the Buffalo Bills, whatever they're lacking. You want to be able to to replicate that if you can't keep the person. I like the way you think. Ah, See, there you go. Yeah, that's there you go. That's how it works, brother. All right, so how do you fix it? How do you fix it? I mean, is this really a problem that needs to be fixed? Is it something that everyone already knows the answer to and this is so like 2020 has has beat every horse this is this done or is this just we're running out of things to talk about in the world of human resources so we're going to publish articles on empathy is is that what's taking place this week or is such a big issue and it's lacking so much in this world today that we've got to talk about it. it it's it's lacking, brother. But is it, it lacking? Well, yes, no, I, I agree with you. But my question is, when we say, is it lacking like that? What we're saying from this end to you is, and when I say we, I'm talking as if I'm like the rock, right? And I'm third person. It's me, myself, and I over here. And what we're <laughs> asking you right now, brother, okay, <laughs> is when... uh. When we think about that first article about the human resource list and how people jump 296 spots and more people-centric focus, it's that data is based off 2019. People are already on board. People are already making these changes. So now we're talking about it. It's the regurgitation of cool. It's, it's that standard process within the media where, okay, we just learned that uh, Billy, Ted, and Tommy over there had, did a great job. Very good for you. Very good we're for you. Them. You know, but Billy now... Ted. But now the rest of us were lacking in this, and now we need to bring it back. And now we need to do it more because we want to be on the list. I mean, I I don't want them to – I don't want them to be on the list to be the reason why they want to go that route. I mean, I agree with them doing that because it helps the associates, but that can't be the reason, right? That should be the byproduct. Your reason should be because you care about your employees. And as a byproduct, you get put in that list. But – if you're focusing on that list, that tells me had that list not exist, you wouldn't be doing this. So then <laughs> why why try? Okay. Hang on. Here we go. <laughs> Hang on. Ready? Yeah. Ricky, are you there? Oh, yes. Yes. Come in. Hey, thanks. Um, need five minutes of your time right now real quick. Um, 
let me grab my notepad out of my back pocket here. Okay. Okay. Um, You're- when is your birthday? <laughs> when is your birthday? Why do you want to know my birthday? Okay, I'll write that down. Thanks. Uh, how many ch- churlin children do you have? Boss, this Seven. is creepy. Got it. Okay, this is creeping me out right now. <laughs> We're just gonna go down. I, I need to build an empathy list. I need to call HR. It's no, it's fine. They told me no. I need to be more empathetic, so I'm getting some facts and statistics about you, so we could do things to focus on your life. I'm going to corporate. What I'm car go to- do you drive? I am now feel uncomfortable. Nope. Sorry. I'm going to quit. <laughs> There's right and wrong ways to have these conversations, right? Love I mean, that. No, they are, right? That up. Because right there, you're doing it as, as a result of some kind of mediation. <laughs> <laughs> or some kind of punishment, right? Either right. way, it's the same thing. But here's how you do it. Here's how you do it. Go ahead. Knock on that door again. Hey, bud, come on in. Hey, how are you? Oh, wait, are, are you the boss or am I the boss? I don't know. You're the boss this time. Oh, okay. All right. Hey, bud, how you doing? Hey, I'm great. How are you? Huh? No, I'm good. I'm good. I just... Uh, right I, on, I man. No, oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, uh, I called you over because I remember you telling me that your wife is about to uh, ha- to have a baby, and I thought it was it was going to be this week. And I just wanted to see how, how things are going. Everything okay? You got all everything um, you need? Ready? With who though? With uh with you? With are you okay? Yeah, man. It's just legal yeah. in Florida to a point <laughs> now, so it's all good, dude. Um whose uh, kid? So <laughs> wait a minute. What's legal in Florida? Working. I Working love this is- place, man. Oh, good. I could tell. Yeah. You're, you're really loving it right now. Yeah, we're I doing good. Right now, you'll love it. It's awesome. all good. Right okay. on. All right. Hugs Why and slugs, bro. Hugs and Why slugs. Why are your eyes so red? Your eyes are really red right now. Yeah. I'm in the gator land. <laughs> <laughs> Hugs and slugs. This is not going the way you intended. I understand this. No, no, it's not. I know. So I, I so but this through is discovery. Point, you've learned something more about this yeah, employee. I'm learning something more, but notice I haven't told him about it. Right. But I'm trying to get him to admit some things. Why are your eyes so bloodshot? Why? Why? why you're really happy yeah, today, man, right? It's That's the uh, it's the chemicals today. we have to use on the shop floor. It's ruined oh. my skin. I was thinking about oh. a lawsuit. What's up today? Why do you want to talk? No, well, I wanted to check on you to see how you're doing, but now you're telling me you got hurt out on the floor. Are you okay? You need 911? Because we got to file workers' comp paperwork right now. And you know what they're going to do with workers' comp paperwork? <laughs> they're going to pull some blood. So they're going to find out why you're so happy today. <laughs> so now then I'm going to replace you. So at one point, does the employee say, I am not going to HR's office? If I go in there and, and they just want to talk and say hi to talk about my family and see how things are good, next thing you know, I'm leaving fired with no job. <laughs> I am not going to the principal's office. I'm not doing it. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. That is the stigma that I cannot stand. Because if a boss is an a-hole all this time, it's never done that, gets in trouble. Now, all of a sudden, he does exactly what you did, come in with a notebook. People are going to freak out even more. But if you establish that from the get-go and you're genuine, you're honest, 
and you really have their best interest at heart, at first, trust me, they're going to throw some shade your way. But once they start seeing that you're genuine and they get used to it, next time they call somebody into the office, they're not going to think twice about it because they're used to it already and you set the expectation. That's what people need to do. Setting the expectation. So at the at the onset, we're hiring for two key roles. One mm-hmm. of the main attributes I'm going to be looking for is uh, I'm looking for sharks. I want okay. alphas. I want people to come in that are going to own this process and they work well with others. So they're not really all alphas, but they're sharks, though. OK, so uh, at the same time, they're out there. They're, they're aggressively doing what they have to. They're taking the business. They're doing this. And this is the mm-hmm. environment. So then time goes by and uh, maybe they're not comfortable being a shark, but they're a good performer. Okay. How do you have an empathetic conversation to say, you're not a shark, get the hell out of here. I would first want to talk to whoever hired that person that didn't catch this in the interview process. Oh, people lie all the time. Oh, I know, but you got to know. When people are BSing you, there's got to be a BS meter, right? But, but people also change. Okay. People change. Experiences change people. Let's, let's right? put it in that camp then. All right. So this guy's not a shark, right? How long has he been with the organization? Oh, he's a shark. He was a good shark. He was a very nice shark for probably about three and a half years. Now he's on the back half of that uh, final half year, and he's not so mm-hmm. sharky. He's just kind of, hey, he's there. He's making it happen, gotcha. but he's not sharky. All right. I got you. All right. Hey, JC, how you doing, man? All good? Use a different name. Use a t- that, that makes me feel uncomfortable. Use a different okay. name. Okay. Hey, hey, CJ, how you doing, man? All good? Hey, good, man. All good? All right. Yeah. Hey, um, want to talk to you real quick. Uh, if you got five minutes, I'd see that you're just hanging out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm in between meetings right now. More than happy to step by just real quick, but I got to run soon. No problem, though. I could just- shift things. You know what? No, wait a minute. So if you got five minutes, I don't I don't want you to shift things, but I'll just get it started right now. Yeah, sure. Uh, I wanted to talk to you real quick about your numbers. Uh, they're it, great. Um, yeah. They're great. Okay. That's what we got to talk about because we have to calibrate on that because I don't kind of see it that way. These are not the numbers you're used to, but I, I, I want to focus on that, but I want to just focus on just other things. So are you good? Everything okay? Yeah. Well, kind of. I'll put it this way. When uh-huh. I had to bring Karen up to speed on the new job, when she onboarded, okay. ah, took away a little bit of my time. Okay. So in the way that we were talking about the regional dissection, I gave her a few of my leads, kind of coached her up, brought her up on speed in the process. So okay. I know my overall numbers aren't the greatest compared to what they were in the year prior, but we're still rocking it out of the park. If you combine hers with what I have and the fact that I got her up to speed over the past three months at the same time. We're kind of not doing too bad right now, but I do need to recalibrate to have a little more focus on, you know, getting back out there and doing it by my own hand. But yeah, we're getting there. Part of the plan. Well, look, man, thank you very much for helping Karen out. I know she I know she needs it. I know this is a tough job and just being brand new. So I really do appreciate you taking that lead on that. Yeah, But it's numbers. Sure you- it's the numbers. I know you live and die by the numbers. We're all going to die by the numbers. It's a and it's I- a number centric <laughs> metric game nowadays. I We're get it. We're not going to die by the numbers, but I do want to make sure that you're you letting continue. me go. I'm not letting you go. Oh, I don't God. know what you're going there. I'm not letting you go. Well, you let but- Todd go the same way. No, how do you, how do you know I let Todd go this? You did way? it on the floor in the lunchroom in front of I everyone. Did not do it on the floor. <laughs> he ate your hummus and you went crazy about like two accounts that he dropped. Actually, if I remember correctly, that was your day off. So how do you know that happened in the lunchroom? I watched it on TikTok. 
Okay. Okay, look. My, my, my thing here is that I want to make sure you're, that CJ is good from a human perspective to see if, I, if there's anything I can do from a human being. Uh, you see that? From a human being perspective that can help affect those numbers. Attacking the numbers on their own is not enough. You got to make sure that they got the tools they need physically and emotionally to get the job done. And you also got to have the right people in place to take a look at those reports, take a look at those numbers and factor in things that aren't just numbers. Boom. How do you quantify things? How do, how do you quali- put those thresholds and qualifiers in place that aren't metric related? It's, I got a question for you, Rick. Can you explain to everyone out there real quick from your perspective how you define metrics based on empathy? Define metrics based on empathy. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, in a quandary with that one too, man. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to go on a limb and say you cannot. You cannot. Because as soon as you say, I need you to do five kind acts this week, five things that show empathy, then it, it's not genuine. The opportunity has to present itself and you have to be genuine with it. If you're looking for it, then I don't think it's going to be come out genuine. Therefore, you're going to fail at your missions of being empathetic. <laughs> or you just start beating the drum of we have to do these things. You send around the surveys, you get the reports back, and everyone knows for the past 60 days You've been beating the drum about doing these things. So, of course, they're going to answer the survey that way so they get left alone. And now you have disingenuous uh, responses that you can't base metrics off of. Look, we're great. (laughs) Doing awesome. We're fantastic. Your turnover is a thousand percent. What are you talking? (laughs) People are leaving that haven't been hired yet. (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) Right, right. Or, 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 or put yourself in a customer service role. Okay. COVID. Craziness. Mm -hmm. Lot of craziness. Lot of craziness. Thank you for validating that. Maybe your numbers are down. Maybe you don't have as many people doing as many things as what you did before. Maybe you still have the same amount of people, but there's not as much stuff going on for those people to do before. Do you recalibrate to a quality-centric focus? So that if someone from the consumer base is reaching out, you're not just looking at that microcosm of answering the one thing that they're reaching out for help on, but you take a more holistic approach to the bigger picture because you have the time, because you have the focus, and you change the environment. You take an empathetic approach to what that employer is going through. They had, they had a staff all their own, and they're all gone, and now it's one or two people, and they're reaching out for help. They have family members in their home. They have a need to fix something in their house. Okay. And now they're all by themselves. The people that were on their left and right, they're literally physically not there anymore to help them. They're reaching out for help. So do you just answer the one question that they're coming at you with? Or do you open Pandora's box? Um, you don't open Pandora's box. You address every issue with a so every issue you should address it with a an open mind and authentically, meaning that 
I don't want you to put together some kind of a policy that says, here's what you need to do. No, not that is, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that person A is going to have a different issue than person B. And because those issues are very, very radically different, you have to address them differently at the end of the day, as long as the employee walks away knowing that their boss had their back, whether they like the answer or not. But at least they know that their boss is honest, it is fair, and had their back. That's the loyalty you want, you want to build in your organization with empathy. Your support volumes, your call volumes, your your numbers, your clock is sitting there saying over and over and over again, your calls are getting done in three minutes time. It's amazing. And then you're sitting around for 25 minutes in between. But then the next call comes in and you're done in under three minutes. It was amazing. And now you're sitting down and around. But. That same person has called back for assistance from our entire team Ah. 47 times in the past 30 days to receive three-minute assistance each time rather than one call to one person that could take care of that issue threefold in one shot over 15 minutes worth of time. Do you recalibrate empathetically? So (laughs) I like how you put that. Um, You it's. You only would recalibrate if you got off the rails of what your intent was. What is the intent to open a closed case, whether it's the same one? So is is all intent in need of potential recalibration right now in the current workforce is kind of what I'm getting at. If we're having more of a focus on empathy and compassion Mm -hmm. and we are still trying to stay number centric at the same time, Mm -hmm. is there a need then to multiply and shift and adjust what those are it, it what there those is metrics a, are change the kpis they, no, no, but don't change the kpis just because for the sake of changing them you have to understand what metrics you had before obviously you know that right it, otherwise you wouldn't be in the black uh, but how those metrics or those kpis are being affected right now when people are not in their environment okay so if you if you see what they're struggling with right now, yes, you do have to recalibrate on those specific KPIs, but you got to make sure that the level of quality that you promise your customers don't drop in the process. So you, you could potentially that. increase what I'm trying to do, and, and I'm trying to drag you down this dirt path with me, is figure mm-hmm. out a way to tie empathy to a metric, to tie empathy into a realignment and restructuring of metrics in some sort of way, right? So if if we know the environment has changed and we can't do business the way that we used to, but we can still provide that same high level of business experience and, and quality, but we, mm-hmm. we try to raise that bar and then we increase our internal empathy in the way that we communicate with our employees and, and our, our peers, we could then flip that script and use those same methodologies outward to our customer bases or those external uh, stakeholders. Okay. And then we just realign more onto a quality bend rather than just a pure numbers uh, quantity bend. So a core value. Have a core value there. Yeah. If it takes you 30 minutes to work on the car rather than 15, take the 30 minutes. So, so hold on. Let's, let's, so, so let's go down that path of the person coming back every three minutes, five, five different times. Deal. If you have a core value that says 
do what's right by the customer. Forget profit right now. Do what's right by I like, the customer. By the way, I like going into this topic because I know this is your wheelhouse right here. So go ahead. Go ahead. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> so when you do what's right by the customer, that gives that employee. And keep it that broad, right? You don't want to get too specific with it because that gives that employee the, the flexibility and the ability to use some resources to help that associate, uh, that customer. So in other words, if that person has a KPI that says you got to keep your average channel time under two minutes and they know this call is going to take 15 minutes, but you know this person is not going to call back, that forget the KPI. Let's focus on taking care of this customer right the first time. Because it's not like the, the because think about the customer's time too. Think about your time. When they call back three or four times, that customer has to spend three or four minutes going through the uh, through the phone tree. Oh. And think about it every time you pick up the phone as an employee fixing this issue that should have been fixed four calls ago. Horrifying. The amount of time you're spending on this person for the fifth time is the amount of time you can spend on a brand new customer. So right? then from the HR perspective, you could drill in a little bit more instead of just saying customer you could take that approach and break it into two buckets, internal and external stakeholder. Correct. And exude those same core values across both and turn them into translatable bullet points or KPIs or facts in the way that internally, when approached with this situation, we'll deal with it X, Y, Z. And by doing that, it's an empathetic approach to our leadership, our management, and our, our metrics accounting for our, our culture goal. And then externally, if someone's experiencing XYZ, we're, we're, we're shifting that needle and bucket mm -hmm. to focus. And we already have everything in line on the internal side. So now empathy just pours out of all of our cracks. So, wait a minute. No, yeah, you, you, have you ever have you ever put caulk into a into a crevice, and then yeah. and then you got to close that door, and then that yeah. that caulk just pours out of all the cracks, or, yeah. or the spray foam. You know, it pours out of all the cracks. This right, this yeah. empathy is our spray foam, and when that solidifies, it's going to make you stronger on the inside, and it's going to make you warmer too in your heart. It's going to be very good, <laughs> very warm, very a lot of big warmth. A lot of warmth, JC. So, am I wrong? You're not wrong. It's funny. It sounds funny. It, no, it sounds funny. Empathy is spray foam. She really, really went deep into explaining how crack works. So, um, no, what I'm saying is, is that so what you just explained, <laughs> you just explained um, that you don't need a KPI. You don't need to quantify empathy, but if you have it as a a core value. And you and you really show why this core value is needed. That gives that HR person the capabilities based on that core value to add or take away a KPI, Here so long as that core value is being followed. There it goes. Mm -hmm. And then, how do you track it? And now your numbers change. Well, that's a KPI. Right. Right. So how do you track it? And then the numbers change. You got to figure out a different way of having those situations where you go from that. Well, you said a, a two minute line time is what you called it. What do you call it? A two minute. 
two minute line time? call time or line time? I, I don't know. You oh, use oh, some jargon. Oh, my bad. Average handle time. Handle time. There you go. Eight. So you take a, you take your your average handle time there. You take your two minute, and because the nature of this has changed, you throw it out the window. Correct. Correct. And and change that metric. Have a mechanism. Have something as a relief path, as a valve for yeah. that person that's dealing with them, so they just. Check a box, hit a button, do whatever they got to do. Now oh. it's a different metric, and now it's a totally different ball of wax, right? You have no idea how many leaders I run to that they keep the same KPIs, the same Bring metrics, it. just because that's Bring what it. they're used to. That's and what they've I'm had it for years and years and years. Right. So, so the work environment changes, the economy changes, the talent, the information, everything. Your whole customer base changed, but you're not willing to change the metrics to take care of that customer. <laughs> Yes. Right? So what you need to be able to do is to be vulnerable enough to know that at any point in time that you're confident and you're comfortable with these metrics, that they may be obsolete later on, but you got to keep your mind open later and on. your eyes open or, in, or in right month, now. In a month right now, you could be yeah. post your post date. Yeah. See? And, and so, so, so when you're, when you keep that open mind and you always have that competitive spirit and always keep staying ahead, Again, it's like a marathon, right? You're focusing on finishing that marathon, and that's the worst thing you can do. You just focus on the techniques to help you run the marathon. But once you get to that goal, you got to figure out what the next one is, and the next one is, and the next one is. If you get there and you get comfortable, then you'll see what happened to um, uh, actually Walmart. Walmart, 15 years ago, they were at the top of their game. Now, and Amazon kind of is killing everybody. That's different, but Target kind of went ahead because they they forgot uh, once they got on top they forgot to keep innovating so leaders people who so, run metrics so let's keep your eyes open. let's bring a full circle here hmm? off the cuff can you can can you quantify can can you build a metric for empathy the quick answer is no the no. quick answer to anyone asking that question is no but yeah. what did we just do for you you listener, you our dear friend, what did we, we just no do? <laughs> we brought we no it stuff. all to the table. We went full circle on this because if you want to be on that list of companies that goes from 79 up to 14, if you want to jump 276 spots, if you want to employ an HRIS system and put something in place, is good data in, good data out. Your analytics are only as good as the data that you're collecting, and the data that you may have been collecting up to this point could be completely invalid altogether, even though it was put together by someone with a very big brain, very good brain, very biggest brain, fantastic brains. Guess yeah. what? At the end of the day, if the KPIs change, you need to realign, and the KPIs Align with the culture. The culture realigns with the shift. The shift aligns with the empathetic approach. And then now you have metrics based off of empathy, based off of people-centric focus, and now you jump in that list, and you are then highlighted behind a paywall that only a few people could read in a news article. <laughs> Done. Oh, you planned that, huh? <laughs> Good job. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. It's the core value. It's the core value what you and I have been talking about since the beginning. It's that circle of trust, trusting your employees, and just making sure those core values are not just words on a wall, no. not just words on an employee handbook no. that you sign up on. No, 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 no. Yes. What, that, that, that part's a different part because that just comes down to golf, sushi, and barbecuing your own food and talking to people <laughs> and just like bullshitting them, right? Okay. 
Mm. Yeah, we're going to do that. No problem. We got that. Yeah. I'll... Hey, uh, Steve, pull the report. Use the uh, KPIs of metrics from the past five years. No problem. Thanks. <laughs> Nothing changes. <laughs> Nothing changes. It's... I agree with you, though. One leads to another. It's a hol- You uh, do have yeah. to take a holistic approach to the entire thing. You have to like when you're popping the hood on the on on the car of your job, on the car of your organization, it's not just the fact that the hood goes up and down and that's kind of cool. Even though that is fun. It's like, hey, the hood's up. I dropped it. It's down. Like that part's fun. I get it. Totally great. Very bigly. But look, end of the day, you gotta (laughs) change things, man. If you've got a head gasket issue, you're not gonna polish the engine with some cleaner. You know what I mean? You know, yeah. you got to make a mess to, to make it better. You need to make a mess to make it better. So, so, so hold on. So, hold on. So, hold on. All right. So, I was already holding. Focus- there was a okay. natural jump in point. Got you. I don't All know right. why so you're lecturing me on holding. <laughs> focusing on the engine, right? If you take a step back and whoever is opening the hood, if you, if, if from the beginning of their employment, you told that person, you do what is right. You go ahead. You've got every ounce of power, every ounce of uh, of uh, of uh, resources with this organization to do what is right, and that you and 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 you show it. You do it as well because you know it's because you you do have to lead by example. And then that person is opening that hood takes a, takes a look at. You know what? It is a head gasket, right? Wait a minute. This is a 1982 Pinto. For me to fix that head gasket. It's gonna. I'm gonna also buy a brand new car. So instead of focusing on the KPI of fixing it when something goes wrong, you give them the opportunity to take a step back and say, "Wait a minute, this is gonna cost way more money to fix this head gasket. I think we have a really good opportunity here to just get a better car." Yeah, because the Pinto is gonna explode, and they're all gonna <laughs> die. But one but, car well, accident. I mean, yeah, it, it's good half. Right, it's a good example but, though. You give the person the opportunity, and that's a core value, not a KPI. We can lead through Bingo. KPI. Bingo. So you lead through core values, and you give that person that opportunity to do the right ah, thing. But Rick, Rick, Ricky, Rick, Rick, Rick. Yes, you can't lead through KPIs. You can't lead through KPI. KPI. But the <laughs> but the C suite is a suite of numbers. It's a language of numbers. Everyone talks the numbers. Yeah, of course it's- it is. But you got to shift the mind to talk about the numbers in a different way. So true, but hold on, hold on. Stop so telling me to hold on. It's a natural jump point hold in conversation. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> what did you just do with your fingers? What the hell is that? I'm telling you to come together with me. It's a conversation. Come on, come on, keep talking. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> so, the the friggin' suspense that you're building on this hold on. Everyone listening right now is like, this is going to be the most prophetic thing he's ever said. Five, no, four, not. three, two. I forgot where I was, to be honest. Trying to, you're talking here about all the. <laughs> I forgot where I was going with it, bro. Help me out here. It's a suite of numbers. It's numbers. It's all I, about I, the numbers. Got it. So, all right. So, you have to know who your boss is. You have to know who the executive stakeholders are. So, if they are, if, if they are the kind that the only thing they care about numbers and really don't give a shit about the talent, that's cool. You're not going to change their mind. Don't fight that fight. Go back downstairs. And if you, again, if you focus on the core downstairs. values. Upstairs. Well, sure. If 
I'm meeting with the C-suite and I'm going back downstairs. Okay, go, go to downstairs. the other building. <laughs> go okay. up the road. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> are they you have doing? a single story. They're a very nice palatial place. A lot of marble. Very good. Okay, hold on. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you go back to the people who report to you, to your team, and you and you push the core values even more because if they're following it and they're doing it, then the KPIs, the right KPIs are going to be in the green. And that's the only thing you got to give the executive C-suite. They don't want to hear all the touchy stuff. That's fine. Hear the numbers. But again, the C-suite doesn't have to know how you're, how you're leading. They just have to know that you're getting those numbers. Now, if you have a different kind of C-suite, and they really do care about it, get them involved. How awesome would it be for somebody from the C-suite to go visit the people at the front lines every now and then, right? And then having a conversation, you know what? Hey, C-suite guy, C-suite girl, how about you take so-and-so out for, uh, for coffee? They like Dunkin' Donuts. Here's your favorite donut. Get them involved. Get them talking to these associates. And again, if these associates are able to see that their job at the bottom of the, of the food chain how it affects the bottom line that this C-suite person is talking to them about. Again, loyalty, being empathetic and being compassionate and being a human being in the leadership spot. You build that loyalty there. And that's how then you do it. Jason. You don't have to hire as many people over and over and over and deal with the turnover. You get to take advantage of people being stuck in one position for 30 years. You get to keep their pay low and treat them poor. Right, Rick? No, oh. you're not going to keep them poor, Jason. Oh, I thought. What do you want to keep them poor? It's a it's a game of numbers, right? It's a numbers discussion. We want to <laughs> we want to keep them happy, but we want to keep them poor. All right, right? okay, Mister uh, Mister Executive. No, Steve, you you're not keeping them poor. I mean, uh, minimum wage is going up to fifteen. I did. I digress. You know, don't take that back. There. But oh, please don't go down that route. Why not? Oh, we did this last week. Okay, we're not going to do it. Hey, I do have something very special for you, though. Oh, my God, yes. So uh, Amazon Human Resources, they have a person working on the inside within their organization that officially shared their thoughts on permanent remote working heading into 2021. This is published in Business Insider, and it's hidden behind a paywall. So here's my point. Uh, anyone out there that gets a story uh, from like an actual local newspaper written by a, a very good uh, journalist that's looking for some promo, send the article this way. More than happy to read it. Uh, the big dogs like this, very good, very great. Is it worth $150 for a two-year membership? I don't know. That's not my thing. But I'm not going to pay that money to read that story because guess what? We have a network of people in human resources already talking about this. And more than likely, the people in the articles that are being interviewed to talk about these are regurgitating the things that we've already told them over the air. So it's totally good, you know. <laughs> End of the day, I'm not going to pay for the regurgitation. I want to read new stuff. I want to read stuff from, like, your local B, your local love. Uh, your local penny saver, your, your local news articles that talk about the the business in town and how it's keeping things alive. Those are the articles I want to find and talk about. The Amazon article, it'd be very good. It'd be great. We're not going to cover that article today, though, because no, the $150 paywall. I've got a hint for you. I know how you can get uh, really deep discounted um, Wall Street Journal, any major publications. Really? I, I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want to know oh. about it. Go ahead. Just teach at a college. 
boom, 50% discount. So <laughs> take a second job so you can read the Wall Street Journal. That sounds horrific. It does. Well, I'd rather read an article by Karen Travers written in the local uh, uh, Osceola B, you know, or, or Petty Saver. Whatever Osceola B? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I, I want to read like this this thing that's like new, you know. I don't I don't want I don't want that. Um, so the paywall thing aside, I'm gonna dip right back into one thing, and then I'm gonna toss it over to you. We talked about empathy in the workplace and the changing environment, and and we we really we did great on that. We did that was very good. So let's say you've got an organization that's set up quite well. Um, and, and their HR team is small, nimble, effective. There's a, there's a handful of them say that they're absolutely amazing at what they do. They all get along. They all have great demeanors. Uh, let's, let's even go as far as to say they're world champions in, in everything that they approach, right? They knock it out of the park and their organization actually has like a world championship trophy because they're amazing. Right. And everything about them is fantastic. What about them? Do they need to like consider employing empathy more if they're already doing all the great things and keeping things in line? Sounds like they are. <laughs> it sounds like they're there. Yeah, but, but when you're th- so my point, when you're there. Yeah. One, how do you know you're there? Two, what do you do to stay there? Three, everything can always be better, right? True. Uh, correct. So how do you know you're there? The only way you know you're there is being proactive in your approach to find out that information. And that's doing stay interviews, not exit interviews, stay interviews. These are interviews that you give your associates um, and you divide it up by tenure. Um, your first 90 day people, your first year people, your five year people and your 10 year people. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, do you have to wait 10 years to do this test? You don't have to wait 10 years to do this test, okay. but. You may have some people that's been there for 10 years or more, and that's who you would talk to to be in that bucket there, JC. <laughs> there you go. Oh, got it. Got it. So you, 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 you do state interviews, and you get a really good understanding about the different demographics and what motivates them and what you should do with that information. So that's how you know. And here's the thing. You actually do something with the information the associates give you. And that way you always have your finger on the pulse and you don't have to wait for your 20th exit interview telling you that you're, you've got a horrible leader on your team and now is when, when you want to do something about it. No, 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 no. Have it regularly. So define regularly. I don't know, once a quarter? What, twice a year? Once a quarter? I think anything more than once a quarter would be a little bit overkill, right? But I think once a quarter, at the very least, you should be able to do it. But uh, twice a year... It's a sweet spot once a year. I mean, I don't know about once a year. You may, uh, some some information does age out and you could be working on something that's not relevant anymore. So I don't know if once a year would be a good idea, but uh, uh, twice a year, once a quarter would be pretty good for you to really get a good feel about what atmosphere your associates work in, what motivates them. What are you doing right now that worked two years ago, but now doesn't? That's one of the questions that you could throw in there. And uh and encourage them to be open and honest about it and create an environment where they can be. And you'll keep hitting that list. Again, JC, I don't want people to say the reason I'm doing this is to be on that list because that is the wrong way, the wrong reason to do it. But yes, that's how you would do it, sir. It's time for Courage of Life. 
Current events this week brought to you in part by Ricky's Emotions, cooking barbecue by hand and paying for it. Right. Your first article today comes to us directly from one of the worst websites on the internet, the OrlandoSentinel.com. Stop by to read their oh. articles, though. The only reason it's a bad website is I said it last episode and the episode prior. The only thing that makes this website a bad website, it's like Homer Simpson's webpage. There's dancing icons. There's videos playing everywhere. I can't scroll two inches on this page without getting an ad. I think it's great. Very beautiful. But you know what I mean? Scott Maxwell, great opinion writer here. Hugs and slugs. Gatorland does right by employees. So talking within this article published on the uh, 13th, it's time for another round of hugs and slugs. Though we're going to do them all virtually this time so nobody catches COVID, according to him. Mm-hmm. Let's start with a big old scaly hug for the guys down in Gatorland. Why? Because the old school Orlando attraction that opened its doors in 1949 has kept every one of its 190 employees on its payroll through the pandemic. Even when the park was closed, in a community where attractions are laying off workers by the millions, that's worth celebrating. Gatorland CEO Mark McHughes said stimulus money helped. It helped a lot. It helped very much. But he also said the company decided that paying employees both before the federal money arrived and after it ran out was simply the right thing to do. Quote, it was hard, but we were very blessed and thankful as a company to be in a position to do that. McHughes said, noting that it allowed the park to reopen, quote, with a full staff of happy folks that were thankful for all the company had done and fully committed to getting us back on our feet. Nicely done. Big shout out going to you. This article was written by, once again, opinion columnist Scott Maxwell of the Orlando Sentinel. Ricky, over to you. That is such a great story. I mean, it's how many other theme parks or businesses for that matter can actually pull that off. The only other organization I know did that was Disney, and it was part-time. I wonder if Meaning a- Batland did it. Batland? I don't know or if like I know. Or like Crayonland. I think that exists. In or like Legoland, right? Oh, yeah, that does exist. Yeah. yeah, I don't think they did that. I don't think they did that at all. But it, it's this is a great example, JC, of compassion and empathy, right? Because they were able to do it, right? And, and, and they paid their employees. They said it was the right thing to do. And I know I used that as a uh, pseudo um, uh, uh, core value earlier, but the right thing to do, yes, that could be it, but you have to make sure it doesn't come back and bite you in the butt later on. I'm thankful. I'm glad that they had the funds and the resources to be able to do that, where some organizations don't want to deplete those emergency funds and and not pay their employees. They said this is the right thing to do now. End of the day, if, though. End of the day, Rick. I got to jump in right here. If if you're not having the funds, you're not living life. And even if you have a ton of emergency fund, save it for the right time. But build that fund back up. Never let the fund leave your life. That yes, don't let the fund leave your life. There, JC. That's uh, I like that. It's all about the funds. The, it's all about the funds, but. If let's say, let's say that CEO didn't have that much money, let's say they could only do, um, I don't know, 10% of what they actually did, right? And that's how much money they have. The right thing to do, let's pay all these employees, but now you have to shut your doors and now the employees have nothing to come back to. 
So you got to have the resources. It's got to make sense for the organization. Um, it, it's, but this is such an awesome story. I'm glad they were able to do that. And guess what? I guarantee their turnover is very, very minimal. Guaranteed. Your next story is coming to us today from GiveMeSport.com. Talking about empathy and compassion, Mike Tyson officially dramatically ripped off his shirt to reveal his shredded muscles during a recent interview with NFL star quarterback Russell Wilson. The former heavyweight champion removed his crop top and flexed his muscles midway through his chat with Seattle Seahawks quarterback Wilson to show that he was ready for his highly anticipated comeback fight coming up. In November, Iron Mike, 54 years old, will face Roy Jones Jr., who is 51, in an eight-round exhibition bout on November 28th, the baddest man on the planet. His first fight in just over 15 years will be a pay-per-view event hosted by the infamous Staples Center in Los Angeles. However, the fight will not be for the WBC Frontline Battle Belt. Tyson was chatting about dusting off his gloves with Wilson on YouTube on a series called Danger Talk. Now, Wilson <laughs> asked Tyson, quote, so tell me about these next two weeks. Are you ready to roll? You fired up. You're going to look like the old Mike Tyson? The boxing legend replied, yeah, man. Well, flexing his toned biceps. Iron Mike, he added, Look at this. Come on, man. Look at this. Come on, brother. And at that time, he ripped off his shirt. He says, I'm the rock. I'm the hulkster, baby. I'm a beautiful baby. A beautiful baby. (laughs) You did. Come on, do it right. You did? Do it right. I'm just saying. (laughs) Look at him. He's bicep. I'm going to beat your ass in a couple of weeks. (laughs) Is that Mike Tyson or Cartman? I, I don't know who that was. All right. It's my Tyson impersonating card. So uh, Tyson's former rival, Evander Holyfield, claimed that he will quickly call, uh, quickly fatigue in, in this clash with Roy Jones Jr. Now, Holyfield, 54 years old, he's returned to boxing, training himself, and, and he fears that Tyson will never allow him to get a trilogy fight after beating him twice in the 1990s. Holyfield won their first bout as a TKO in the 11th round, and he won their second fight as Tyson was disqualified for biting in the third. Holyfield making these statements about Tyson's potential demise come at a time when Holyfield was having a hard time keeping his COVID mask on his ear. Ricky, back to you. <laughs> you can't, that they, no, you did not see that there. They were t- <laughs> Poor Holyfield. Uh, so I read about this the other day. Um about Tyson making a return, and I honestly thought it was fake. So this is legitimate. He actually is going to fight in a couple of weeks. Iron Mike against Roy 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 Jones. (laughs) Having a hard time saying names here. Roy Jones Jr.? Iron Mike, 54 years old, will face Roy Jones Jr. 51 in an eight-round exhibition out on November 28th at the infamous Staples Center in Los Angeles. I feel like I just heard the commercial for it. Okay. No, that. so... Um, then get me awesome. a job doing that. It's, it's You're right the away. shittiest agent I've ever had. I will tell you that. Not, no. I was an agent. 
You didn't okay. know? That's news to me. What about the contract we signed? Now I understand why the face disappeared. It's, <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, it's story. time. What happened oh, to Mike Tyson? Florida Man Stories. Florida Man Stories. So good to be back with this series right here. Florida Man was unfortunately electrocuted waiting through a flooded home during the Edda. A Florida man died after being electrocuted while walking through water in his home during tropical storm, Edda police said. Bradenton Beach Police Sergeant Leonard Diaz said the unidentified man was wading through water, flooding his home around 5.40 p.m. Wednesday. He was unaware that there was an appliance running at the time, according to WFLA. It was an accident. I'm sure he didn't realize the appliance was plugged in or the appliance was underwater. And that's what happens. It's a scary situation, said Diaz. A friend tried to save the man, but was unable to get to him without being electrocuted himself. So he watched him in the water. First responders had to wait for utility crews to shut off the power to the neighborhood so they could reach the man who was pronounced, unfortunately, dead on the scene. Tropical storm at a made landfall Thursday near Cedar Key, Florida, with winds of 50 miles an hour. According to the National Hurricane Center, experts do say that the storm is expected to dump up to 25 inches of rain on the South Florida region. The storm had already ripped through the Florida Keys and Miami, dismantling everything on Monday before taking a second swipe at the state and this man losing his life to an appliance. Um, wh- why? I'm not, I'm not going to laugh. I'm not going to laugh. I'm not going to laugh. Folks see life from another perspective. They can expand the mind and awareness. These are inspirational quotes. Let's kick you back. Never underestimate the electrifying power of an appliance. Words of wisdom and words to live by. Ricky Baez, the man, the myth, the legend. That concludes the show for today. You know, we forgot. Why was that a Florida man story? (laughs) We forgot to use the uh, the quotes in the beginning, but today, with the the somber note of the Florida man electrocuted in water by an appliance during at a on Wednesday, it seemed fitting to uh, use the inspirational quote as a parting segment for today's program. Uh, with that being said, I'd like to go around the room and uh, thank everyone for being here today. Uh, over to Ricky and, and your team. Thank you. Thank you for being here today, JC. Uh, how about you and your team? It's been a good time. On behalf of Ricky Bias, the HR Talk Podcast, the website... We really don't have a whole hell of a lot left. Like, it literally is just me and him. And we have no money. We have no one to read things other than people we guilt into doing stuff. The face of the franchise is still affiliated with us, but he doesn't do shit. So, we're 
we're just two guys poking around in the woods like bears. You know, like, uh, I don't know. Those are bears shit in the woods. Well, yeah. Yeah, they do. We're in the woods. We're, we're taking a dump in your ears weekly. It's our pleasure. I don't know. Ricky, come on. No parting words? Nothing? Yes. Um, I don't know. I mean, you that was prolific. We take a dump in your ears weekly. Thank you for allowing us to do so. See you next week. Drive for safe. another fresh dump. <laughs> Drive safe. Have a good night. In a world, at a time, in a place, with some things. Some people sit around and talk about dumps in their ears. What they mean is dumps of knowledge. Dumps of emotional intelligence. And in theme with today's episode, they meant dumps of empathy and compassion. Still don't want to pay to cook my own food.